last time this happened? He said it was 2012. So I guess with the um, leap years and things, it doesn't always fall We're every seven years. But it's amazing to be able to be here on the day that we actually, all the world is celebrating Jesus Christ being born and coming into our world. Um, everybody's all excited right now. I remember when I, we were kids, you'd get up at five in the morning running out there to see what's under the tree and open all your presents. And uh, the world is wrapped up right now in a lot, looking at all the oohs and ahs of things they got under their tree. But we're here to ooh and ah over the fact that we have the greatest gift of all, that Jesus Christ would come as a man to this earth, knowing that he would be born to die for our sins and give us eternal life as the greatest present that's ever been given, ever been received. So let's start with prayer as we begin our service. Father, we do recognize this is probably not the day you were born. Nobody has any idea the exact date that you were born in, into this world. But it's such an auspicious occasion that this world picked a day <laughs> that we can all celebrate together the fact that you came and... It's sad that the world has little by little gotten less and less about worshiping and recognizing you coming and the gift that you are and the gift that the Father gave and now the gift that you give us of eternal life. But we are here because you have chosen us, you have given us, bestowed on us that gift, given us eternal life. And we come this morning not caring at all about whatever presents are under the tree at home or we're wearing or whatever it is, but simply to come this morning and say, thank you for coming. Thank you for the gift that you are. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that you coming and being willing to die for us brought us. And we just want to recognize that today and dwell on it all day long. Nothing else. Nothing else we have counts. Nothing else even can, can be described as being paling in comparison because it's so far removed. Anything this world has to offer us compared to you and what we already have through you in heaven awaiting us. And the life that we feel in our hearts right now, this joy and peace that we have in this life because of what you've given us. Happy birthday. Thank you for coming. In Christ's name, amen. Let's start with a great one. Uh, about half the Christmas carols seem to be about angels. and They were pretty prominent in Jesus' birth. Uh, I don't claim to be angelic in my voice. None of us up here is. I don't think any of you do either. And it must have been amazing to hear angels come and sing, filling the skies. I, I don't, um, <laughs> just, just unbelievable. But we get to sing a little bit about the message that they brought. The, the angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Jesus was born the king of all creation. The herald angels sing 
glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, pale incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark, herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Come, desire of nations come, Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now and face. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above. Free his status in thy love. The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Sang this one um, a couple Sundays ago, I think, and it's um, memorable to look at where Jesus could have been born. Jerusalem was a huge city, at least. Um, he was born in the tiniest of villages, but prophesied in the book of Micah that it would be the Bethlehem that Jesus would be born in, little town of Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still Yet in my dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth. And praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. 
silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us. seated. Some of the hymns are a lot more famous than others. It's be- there are a lot of beautiful hymns that we probably don't sing um, as much as we should. This is a short hymn, but it's very beautiful. It's called Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. Infant holy, infant lowly, for his bed a cattle stall, oxen lowing, little knowing, Christ the babe is Lord of all, swift are winging. Angels singing, Noel's ringing, tidings bringing, Christ the babe is Lord of all, Christ the babe is Lord of all. Flocks were sleeping, shepherds keeping, vigil till the morning noon, saw the glory, heard the story, Tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow. Praises voicing, greet the morrow. Christ the babe was born for you. Christ the babe was born for you. So I mentioned this last week. I think we sang it last week, maybe the week before. And um, the motto or the, the, the thing that the Marines live by is the few, the proud, the Marines. It's like supposedly just talking about their character and knowing that. This hymn starts out, 
with what I think is supposed to be would be the Christian motto, or the at least the, we Christians on Christmas as we're declaring Christ, it says, Come all ye faithful, you joyful, and you triumphant. That's a good motto for us as Christians, that we would be faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Especially in the season as we're proclaiming <coughs> that the Savior that uh, for this world we love was born And that's what our Christmas is all about. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come. Christmas. It's amazing that the the title is God slipped into our sinful world, and that's the truth. Uh, He could have come with fanfare. He could have been born into a king's palace. He could have been um, recognized as everything that he is. God could have seen to it that that was done, but instead, Jesus was born in a very obscure little village 
that nobody knew about. And the angels actually went and just found shepherds to tell about it. Uh, So literally he just slipped into this world to bring salvation. But all who saw him that day recognized that he was the Son of God. God slipped into our sinful world. God slipped into this sinful world One quiet winter night Known only by the heavenly sign Of one celestial light Not in a king's royal palace With servants to care for him But in a barn with sheep and ox In tiny Bethlehem The angels filled the sky that night Announcing Jesus' birth Not to the rich or mighty But those not seen of worth The shepherds soon found the baby As fragile and helpless he lay but knelt to praise the mighty God asleep in a trough of hay. Learned men who searched for signs were alerted by the star the promise of a royal birth would bring them from afar enduring through months of travel to find the long promised one they offered precious gifts to him and worship God the Son centuries have come and gone since that holy night God slipped into this sinful world to be the truth and the light just like the shepherds and magi we too should bow down and pray and worship
worship Christ our Savior, born that blessed day. Yes, we should worship Christ the Lord, born that blessed day. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Today's reading is the second chapter of Luke, the first 14 verses. Please feel free to read along in a Bible you brought of your own or one in the pews or just be blessed by listening. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Father God, I am thankful, Lord, that the message of your coming to earth was given to lowly shepherds first. And Lord, that those who worshipped him were among the lowliest and the magi who were foreign born, so that you can demonstrate that any person, whoever they are and wherever they are on this earth, can receive your salvation if they turn from their sins and embrace you as Savior and Lord. Help us 
to give Christmas gifts all year around with a smile to a stranger, uh, an encouraging word to a friend, and a helping hand to one in need. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your holy word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for our pastor who loves you, who loves your word, and who loves our, his flock. Lord, give, put in his mind what you would want him to preach to us. And Lord, give us ears to hear and allow us to take to heart what we will hear. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all on this Lord's Day, this Christmas Day. It, it's really special. Uh, you know, it's on Sunday this year, and I think Steve mentioned 10 years ago, so we're blessed that we all can be together at this time, uh, worshiping the Lord together and learning from Him. Indeed, it is a very encouraging time. Last week, I mentioned that the weather was refreshing. It's really refreshing. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I, some of you do, too. I know from the north, this is, feels really good. And uh, I, my son and I, we take walks every night because we want to make sure we capture the, the coolness. And, and, but the, what God wants uh, for today is for our spirits to be refreshed. Uh, that's what he wants. It's a refreshing, a reviving, a strengthening, a restoring. Um, and it's through his word, through his spirit. You know, we, we're so blessed. We Jeff read from Luke chapter 2 and that we have God's word that tells us the truth of what happened. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. We should be so thankful that we have his word and, and we should love his word and trust his word and believe it and, and study and all those things. But anyway, I'm glad we can be here. Uh, I know some churches decided not to celebrate Christmas, but I say we got to. This is, this is, this is the day to do it. So anyway, uh, we're talking about Christmas, but what is Christmas? It's a story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to this world and coming into this world. It's a story of, of God becoming man. And that God became man is, is an amazing truth. It's a miraculous truth. It's, 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 it's uh, so important for us to understand. It's what is called the incarnation, God becoming man. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 portion of the Christmas story for the first part of our service here. There's a, a few things I want to look at relative to this story, this most important story about the birth of Christ. And we're going to go first to Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. I'm going to read there, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Jeff just read the Luke portion in this the Matthew portion, some of the same things, but some def definite different things too, all together, helping us understand the entirety of the story that God wants us to know. Verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. 
But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This all took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is a simple but great summary of the Christmas story, the story about, again, the birth of Jesus. We read about Mary and Joseph. It says uh, they were righteous people. And they were righteous because God made them righteous. And they were righteous because they then lived righteous lives. These were two that God had chosen from eternity past to be part of his eternal drama. We understand that Mary was engaged to, to be married, engaged to Joseph, but had not yet been physically intimate with him. And yet, what happened, we know the story, miraculously by the power of the Spirit, she was pregnant. She was found to be with child. Now, Joseph became aware of this as, hey, this isn't looking too good here. That's how he was thinking initially. He knew that it would be soon apparent to pretty much everybody that she was pregnant. Then there would be this scandal, all kinds of talk, you know, what's going on here? Hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, somebody should be maybe put to death here, things like that. That's what he was in his mind. But an angel appears at the right time, talks to Joseph explains to him God's plans that this is all the work of God, that this one to be soon to be born, his name was to be Jesus. Jesus is, is a, a word, the Greek version of the Hebrew word Yeshua or Joshua, which means literally then that Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. That's the whole idea. And we know then Jesus then just means to, he's to save us. He's to save us from our sins. That's what he's to do. And, and that is one of the central themes of the entire Bible, Jesus coming to save us from our sins. And so that's his name. It's classic. That's the name that God gave him. Everyone, of course, in the world sins. We know the verse in Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Everyone sins in the world. Everyone is fallen short of God's glory, and Jesus Christ then came to save people from their sins, to make them righteous, to forgive them. We know the verse in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the verse in Luke 19, 10, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So here he is. This is Jesus. Gospel of Luke tells us that Gabriel, an angel, appeared to Mary and told her that she was to be the mother of the Messiah. I, I, I'd love to have been there when she heard this. She had to have been in such shock because she understood from the Old Testament. She knew the story that there is to be this woman born of a virgin, as it says in Luke, excuse me, Isaiah 7. She understood this. And, and in fact, back then, she was a, you know, a, a good young Jewish girl, a righteous girl. She had been going to the synagogues, probably a little child, hundreds of times. She learned these things. She understood these things. And so Gabriel then also told Mary that her son was to be named Jesus. So you think about it. They both talking to each other, Mary and Joseph. Got this dream. His name is to be Jesus. And so they're conferring, which helps them have this confirmation together in their own hearts. And Jesus, we understand from the text, would be a holy child. That is, he was perfectly holy. We understand that. He never, ever sinned at all in thought, word, or deed. He indeed was the spotless lamb. <coughs> Excuse me. 
This passage then also makes it clear, the Luke passage that is, makes it clear that he is to be the coming king. And again, Mary understood this. She knew what the Old Testament text said. And that's what most Jews were looking for. Hey, we need this king. They weren't thinking of him so much to be the savior. I, I can't help but think that Mary understood the idea of, of Jesus being the savior and also the king. Of course, we know at that time, the Romans were ruling over them. They weren't really bad rulers for the Jews per se. They let them live in relatively peace, and so it was not that bad of a situation. But the point is, she knew this. So here she is, she's pregnant, and, and she has to understand that this little baby that she has inside her womb there has to be, you know, the Son of Man and the Son of God. Now Matthew, in this Matthew version, he quotes an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus, Messiah, further confirming um, the truth. And what this prophecy says that we just read there is his name is to also be called Emmanuel. This is powerful. God with us, that's what it means. God dwelling with us. I mean, this is a powerful truth. Amazing that, that God himself, that is Jesus, would come down to this earth and live with people. And, and, and it's, it's that Jesus wanted to do this. It didn't just happen. It wasn't just an accident. That's what God planned. He wanted to come down to this earth. He wanted to live with, with man. He wanted to serve man. He wanted to speak the truth to man. He wanted to share his life with mankind. He wanted to die for mankind. That's what he did. It was his desire. It was, it was on his heart. It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. And, and, and God sent him, and Jesus wanted to come. And so that's what happened. We know that. Now, a key aspect of, of the Christmas story is, is, is that, that Jesus became a man, and it's Christ's humility that really was a key component in him becoming a man. I want you to turn to Philippians. There's, there's different places. We look at Matthew 1, we look at chapter, Luke chapter 2, and, and in some ways, the Philippians 2 uh, story is, is the Christmas story as well. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. It says, do nothing. Well, let's start in, let's start in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and are on, our, and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the, I like this Christmas story. It's a good way to say it. It gives a theology, the truth of what's going on from really the beginning to the end. You're talking about, you know, way back in the turn of the past, he was in the form of God, and in the turn of the future, you know, God will be glorified. And that's, that's a good way to uh, sum up this. But a couple more uh, thoughts from here is we see that Jesus was in the form of God. How am I going to define that? I'm not sure. The, the form of God, that's what it says. And when he was with God, he was, of course, in the spirit. It's a spiritual form is what it would have been. Jesus had been with God since eternity past. And you go back and our mind just can't comprehend that. But eternity past, Father, Son, Spirit, all together. But this was amazing. This is a Christmas story. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ entered this world as human flesh. He, he humbled himself 
and became a man. I mean, you have to think about this. God becoming man? I mean, he humbled himself, and he was God and man. And this is, none of us can fully comprehend what it means for Jesus Christ to be God and man. I mean, if you were, if you were around 2,000 years ago, and you're there, a Jewish person, let's say, and you saw Jesus, you'd look at him and, you know, he looks like a man, he talks like a man, he has arms and legs, he eats food, you know. All these things, he, he was a man. He was obviously a man. But then he was fully God, and that's what got a lot of people upset, I mean, especially his religious rivals. They didn't like that. <laughs> you think, who do you think you are? Hey, we're in charge here. Fully God. I mean, just, I mean, it doesn't make sense in our minds, but that was the truth. He was fully God every way. And, and so and one of his objectives on earth was, of course, to, to help people see that he was God. And by the things he taught and, and also by the miracles he did, that was one of his goals, to, to prove to people, I am not just a man. I am also God. And in different ways, he said it. And, and that's a key point. I mean, I was talking to James about this yesterday, or maybe it's Marianne, is, is that so many religions and false religions just don't believe that Jesus is God. Oh, he's a good man. Good prophet, you know, maybe one of the best of men, but, boy, he wasn't God. That, that's where they will fight you on it. But that's where we as Christians stand. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. That is so important. And that's, again, part of the key part of this Christmas story. But Jesus wasn't just a man, as we see there in Philippians 2. He was also a bondservant. Uh, that's better translated as slave. Uh, you know, the, the text, some of the, you know, some of the versions in our, present culture, don't want to use the word slave, uh, but bondservant, he's a slave. He, will, he was a slave, and he was a slave of his heavenly father, okay? And he was a perfectly obedient slave. Obedient, it says, obedient to death. That is, his father wanted him to die, and Jesus said, yes, I will do it. I will do it. Perfectly obedient slave. But here's Jesus then, the son of God, the son of man, he dies for his father, and he dies for his, us. Us. So you understand that? He died for his father. His father wanted him to die, and he died for us, and he died for us, of course, and to pay for our sins so we could be the ones who are forgiven. And Jesus just didn't die. We know this. It wasn't a natural death. You know, most people that we know in this world, they die, quote, natural death. It was not a natural death. Not at all. He died on a cross. He publicly died on a cross which was the worst, the most humiliating way that a person could die back in that culture. That is what happened. He did it for us. So Jesus went from being God to being the lowest person on earth. That's what we're saying in this text. That's what we're saying. That's what we understand. Jesus went then uh, from God to, to being a slave, and he did it for you and for me and for his Father's glory but he did it for you and me to save us from our sins. And the answer simply for us then is a person needs to repent, which is just a nice word to say. We need to be sincerely, genuinely sorry to God himself, telling him that we are sorry that we've sinned against him. We then need then to believe that Jesus is both God and man. That's important. This gospel message, believing that he's both God and man, and then believing that Jesus Christ had died, died to pay for your sin. That's, that's the message. And those who then believe in that, are forgiven, are redeemed, and have eternal life. I want to read some verses here that talk about this that really helps you understand the gospel. You're probably familiar to many of you. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become 
the righteousness of God in him. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18, I love this one. Christ, all, Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust to bring you to God. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Think of the last phrase. God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. How that happened, how God spiritually placed all our sins, every one of our sins for the entirety of our life, and it's got to be millions for every one of us if we talk about all the thoughts, words, and deeds. He did it. He did it. That, that's, that's truly a miracle. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, a word that means God is satisfied with what Christ did for us. So during this gift-giving season, we must always remember, and of course we understand that sometimes I, I get a little tired of all the gifts, but Remember, the greatest gift, the gift that God gave to us, the gift of his son. And it's, it's, it's that gift then, and receiving that gift then, that results in us having eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It, nothing we can do. I, I remember when I grew up, I was thinking I had to do something to be right with God. I had to come to the point and say, hey, there's nothing I can do. Nothing at all. It's all a work of grace, all a work of God. Eternal life, a word that means a relationship with God, and it's, it's, a, it's a personal relationship. I love this truth. It's personal, it's permanent, and it's perfect. Not so much this life, but in the ages to come, it'll be perfect. Can you imagine that? A perfect relationship with the living God, a personal relationship, one that is permanent. Again, it's so important that we see this. And, of course, it means that we'll be with, with the Lord Jesus. That's, that's a key truth that we see in the gospels the epistles we will be with jesus john 14 says this first thessalonians 4 says this we'll be with the lord jesus forever i might have mentioned this past i can't remember but a year ago i wrote a letter to my high school classmates i had missed our class reunion so i thought i'll write them a letter about 200 i think 50 letters went out and uh, uh so i got one letter back and I have this letter taped to my wall there in my office. It's just taped there. I can, it's right there. I see it. The, the name of this person was Alan. And, and it, you know, it came back, undeliverable. And uh, I, I learned later, I'm sure it was a week or two later, a month later, that this person had passed away like a couple years before. But, but this was the most sobering thing on this envelope. It said, not at this address. And when I saw that, I said, whoa. So which address is he at? Is he in heaven or hell? Wow. I, I say this because we have to see the entirety of the Christmas story. We just can't talk about the baby Jesus. We've got to see the beginning to the end. It all relates to what we're saying right here, is that God wants to give us eternal life. It's through his son, Jesus Christ. It results in our lives being affected forever and ever and ever. And so many people, and you know this, we go by 
don't know how many hundreds of people every week or something. We see people, we talk to people, we hear people, we see people on TV. Where are they going? Where, what's happening? Where is their eternal destination? And it's so important that we are sobered up and, and see this. And so I saw that not at this address. Wow. Where is Alan at? Where is he at? But that's what we need to think and pray about and ask God to use us to be his lights, and that's what he wants us to be lights. Verses in Matthew chapter 5, lights of the world and salt of the earth. And it's important that you see yourself that way. I, I've told, said this to you before many times, is you all have your own little world. We have the big world, but God has given you your own little world with people that you know, friends that you have, neighbors, coworkers, whoever it is, relatives, your own little world. And God wants you to be a light to the people in the world that he gives you. That's what he wants for you. So one more thing I want to talk about today. And that's how the Christmas story, that is the incarnation, is to be a picture, a display of the character of God. So I'm going to go through, I think it's nine different aspects of God's character. Very briefly, I hope you see this. It's, this is, God wants to be glorified, and, and he can be more glorified if we see his, his character and, and, and how that's displayed here. So there's a number of things to learn about God and Christ in this story. First, we see God's holiness. God is holy because of our sins. They need to be punished. But what God did is Christ sent his son and punished his son instead of us. That's the holiness of God, okay? Second, we see God's wisdom. God showed his wisdom in the plan of salvation. As we think about it, it seemed to be a dilemma. God loves people. On one hand, other hand, God is holy. How can this be reconciled? If God is holy, needs to punish us, then how can God show his love to us? And, and what Christ did is it's the answer. And you know the answer already, but it's so good to just say it again. God sent his son, became a man, perfect person, perfect person, came down to this earth then, and, and he became a mediator, as it says in 1 Timothy 2. A mediator between God and man. He was both God and man, so he could be the mediator. The only one that could do it is a mediator. Then he became a substitute. That is, he took our place. He died for us. He took our place. He sacrificed his own life. That's what he did. He gave up his life. He died for us. And that's where this word satisfaction or propitiation comes in. God then was satisfied with what Christ did for us. And therefore, all those who place their trust in God and in Christ, then they can be forgiven. God can declare them righteous. And this all shows the wisdom of God, that God's righteousness and his love was demonstrated at the cross. That's what we see. So, as one person said, his holiness and his love met at the cross. That's what happened. Then we see God's love. God did not have to send his son into the world. He didn't have to. But out of his love, out of his kindness for us, he did. Psalm 86 your loving kindness towards me is great. You've delivered my soul from the depths of the grave. The love of God is shown more so in what God did for us through Christ than any other way. That's the center, foundational way we see his love. We see God's power. By God's power that God became a man, that, that, that God himself became a man. Luke one thirty five. The Holy Spirit, angel talking to Mary, says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
the power of God that somehow worked inside the womb of Mary to bring Jesus there. I mean, it's just, we, we, can't, we can't understand it. But that's what happened. That's, that is what we know. Second, we see, God's, we see God's omniscience. God had to know everything and everyone and every detail to bring about his son into this world. There's some verses I've read before, but in this context, turn to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46. Some of my favorite prophecy verses. And of course, and we're not even really talking about it much today, is that the birth of, of Christ that be coming to the world was prophesied. Okay? God had prophesied that that would happen. But Isaiah 46, verse 9 says, remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. So he declares it. He knows what it is. Every single thing from beginning to end, God knows. Every detail, every person, everything. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. That is, it's not just that he knows stuff, but he's going to accomplish his purpose. God created the world. God created us for a purpose. And I like how it says, accomplish all my good pleasure. I'm going to do what pleases me. I'm going to accomplish my work. And we're talking here about the Christmas story, just one major aspect of God's work on earth. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly, I have spoken truly. I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. And so we, we think of this, this, this Christmas story. Eternity past, God knew what he was going to do. Everything was set up just the way he wanted. Which leads to the next point. We see God's sovereignty. Jesus coming into this world did not just happen. God had to not just know everything, but plan everything, control everything, Every person, everything at all, in any way that was related to the birth of his son, everything. We, Jeff read the story, Luke 2, about the census. You know, it was, hey, we need to have a census. God had that all planned out way back in eternity past. One pretty major aspect of the story and many other aspects, but that's just one. Luke 2, you read through and, and you, you read all these things, you know, whether it's the angels, you know, whether it's all Bethlehem, it's all part of God's plan, God's sovereignty. We see God's patience. God could have, a long, long time ago, once and for all, and righteously so, taken every person off this planet. He about did it in the time of Noah. We know the story. We know the flood. We know there's only eight people that survived. We understand that. God was pretty fed up and righteously so with the world at that time. It was really crap. We think things are bad now. Nothing like back in the time of Noah. Nothing. It was really, really wicked. So, so, God through the years then, all these years, has been extremely patient. Because, see, everybody that sins says, I read this the other day in Ezekiel 18, the soul that sins dies. Every, every person who sins dies spiritually and then will die physically. And God has the right to take anybody out of this world at any time he wants because of their sin, any time. So he's patient with every person. He was patient with you before he got saved, patient with all kinds of people, and patient and waiting for his time for Christ to come. It was the perfect time. It was the right time. As it says in Galatians 4.4, 4, it was the fullness of time. I mentioned this last week. You can look at the notes from last week. 
about what that means. And there's a number of things, six different things I mentioned about why it was the fullness of time, the perfect time for Christ to come. Next, we see God's righteousness. God worked in a righteous way. He worked through righteous people. And his righteousness then was accomplished through the person of Christ. And finally, and I think most importantly, we see God's glory. In every aspect of God's plan to bring about his son into the, this world, we see the glory of God. There's, there's five different, I'm not going to look at them, I think it's Luke chapter 2. Five different places we read about the glory of God. Glory to God. The glory to God in the highest is just one verse, verse 14, but it's glory, glory, glory to God. We saw the Philippians chapter 2, glory to God. But this verse from Psalm 145, verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. The, the whole point I'm saying here is what God did, what Christ did, the coming of Christ into this world, the birth of his son, it's, it's a wonderful work of God. And it says we're to meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. It shows the glorious splendor of God's majesty. It shows his wonderful work, and we're to meditate. We're to think about it. That, that's what God wants. God wants us as people. We, we need to think about the truth. And so many times our thoughts are affected by things in the world, and that's not good. It's not right. We need to have godly thoughts, and that comes from God's truth, comes from God's spirit. Indeed, this is a special day. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. Remember that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth, became a man. That's simply it. And Jesus was born to die, the most important death there ever was. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. It wasn't just some meaningful, meaningless death. It was meaningful to the max. Very important. He died for our sins. He was raised again, ascended to heaven where he sits now at the right hand of the Father, and he looks down on us. Don't ever think that Christ, that God, the Spirit, they know everything. They see our little church here. They see your hearts, which is a wonderful thing. I'm glad they know what's going on. I'd rather have that way. We should not be afraid of them knowing truth about us or anything else that's going on in this world. But they're up there in heaven. And it won't be long before Christ comes back to this earth. As you know, I think you know this this church here. We're a lot closer now to the second coming of Christ than the first coming of Christ. A lot, a lot closer. I think Christ could come back in this century, okay? Christ came the first time about 2,000 years ago. So, he's coming back. He's coming again. I always mention four things. Hopefully you'll get these because I keep saying the same thing over and over. Four things. There's more, but four basic things. Come back, one, to rapture the church, Two, judge the world. Three, save a remnant of Jews. And fourth, begin his reign on this earth. Okay, let me say it again. Come back to rapture the church, the believers off this earth. Two, judge the unbelievers still left here. That's called the day of the Lord. Three, save a remnant of Jews that are on earth that God has chosen to save. See that in Romans chapter 11. And finally then, to begin his reign upon this earth. That's what he's going to do. I want to just finish with three verses. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Very intriguing verse. Very important verse. Verse 5. And the thing I want to say, first of all, the she in this verse is not Mary. 
it's, it's speaking of the nation of Israel, that as God used the nation of Israel to bring Jesus into this world. That's another whole story. But she, verse 5, gave birth to a son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to the God into his throne. What's conspicuously absent from that verse? Nothing about him being born to be a savior. Nothing. Nothing about the church. Nothing. Gave birth to a son. What's his purpose? To be a king. To be a king. He's born to be a savior. Read that in Matthew 1, Luke 2. He's also born to be a king. That's why this is so relevant for us as Christians. Hey, I know he's a savior. He's a king, and he's coming back soon. I hope this is imprinted in your heads and minds. Every Christian should understand Revelation 12, 5. And see how this, at this time in history, what's going on? The Jews are back in the land. And it won't be long. We see the signs. More and more we're seeing so evident as I think about particularly what's happened these last two, three years in our world. I, I just, I'm in, like about in shock every day. The things I hear. And I read a lot. I watch a lot. I have a good sense of what's going on in this world in all kinds of ways. And I don't tell you barely anything. But I know a lot by God's grace. And I say, wow. And sometimes it's scary, but it's always sobering. And it's encouraging because, man, Christ is coming. Yeah, you've got to get through the darkness before you get to the light, but that's the way it is. So, great verse. Revelation 12, 5. Back then to eleven fifteen. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel, seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever. This is speaking of the time when Christ comes back to reign. This is at the end of the Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year time period. And this is when God, Christ, takes over the world from the devil, okay? Takes it over. Christ is now in charge. This is it. So, and again, I'm just trying to help you see the big picture. Born, Jesus, little baby, that's good. Born to save and born to be a king. And we must, in our lives and in the context of the present age we're in, you must see this, especially now, compared to even 100 years ago, 500 years ago. We, at this time, are alive for God, for Christ. And we must know the truth. The kingdom will be set up. And finally, Revelation 22, 12. 22, 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. He's coming soon. He's really coming soon. Very, very soon. And it says he's, his reward's with him to render every, to every man according to what he's done. You know what that means? Real simple. Salvation is free, but God also allows us to work for him, and he will reward us. This should be sobering. Is my life counting for Christ? Am I living for Christ? Am I living to please him? Am I living to do what he wants to do? Again, we're all different. I, I've said this. I, you know, it's, it's all kinds of examples. You know, never compare yourself with anybody else. Just know that God has put you in the place he wants, in your own little world, your own little place, your own gifts he's got you. Use your gifts. Do the work he wants you to do. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work in the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. So again, I just want to see the big picture. You have to see this. Christ was born to die. Christ was born to be a king. 
and it won't be long. Now then is our time to look back, as we are today, primarily so. Christ was born. We look ahead. Christ is coming back as a king. Isn't that good news? Wonderful news. We're on here just a short time, 70, 80, 90 years. That's it. Then with the Lord forever and ever. The future, I can't help but think we'll look back and say, man, that was really a short time on earth. It went by in a flash. I mean, the Bible says it so many places. It's just like a vapor. It's gone. So please understand that every day is important. Every day is special. This year, we've got a few days left this year, then we start 2023. We keep going for the Lord by his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time you've given us. We do bless you for your great love for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit the Godhead. It's wonderful. Father who loves us, chose us, Jesus who died for us, the Spirit who lives in us, empowers us. What a wonderful truth that we have you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago. I mean, amazing to bring your Son into the world, to become a man, to live a perfect life, to die for us, then be raised again now in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and then soon coming back to be Get us off this earth and take us home to heaven. Wow. This is, this is really amazing. And then we will reign with you, as it says, even in Revelation 5, 10, and Revelation 26, we'll reign with you in the millennial kingdom and really for all eternity. So we thank you. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for each one here. Each life here is special. Each life here is important. I pray for each person here to be touched by your love, be impressed, because sometimes we... Our minds, our spirits get so cloudy with whatever, worldliness or wrong thoughts or sin. Lord, help us more and more by your grace to break free from that. We be ones who, Lord, are, are just uh, uh, love you and know your love for us and then serve you in the way that you want us to serve you. But thank you again for this time. Thank you for those who couldn't be with us today. That you bless everybody. Lord, who's listening on, everybody in, the, in our entire church. And thank you for, for Bethel. Raphael, Tommy here, Lord, and the rest, they're such a blessing to us. I pray you bless their lives, their church, for your glory. I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple, not many announcements. Um, this Wednesday, we're planning on having a Bible study here. Thanksgiving, looking back, praying, looking to the future. And then I told you that I'm having surgery on the 5th of January. The 4th is the night before Bible study. I've not talked to Steve Altman about this yet, but maybe he could fill in for me. I'd rather not be <laughs> someplace the night for surgery. And then the sixth is the men's meeting. Ralph will be leading that time, which is a great, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great time. I, I want to announce that. I just thought of this. I wanted to share this. And is um, just a little story, but it's encouraging. Cynthia Davis. Most of you know Cynthia Davis, right? She was in a church years ago. Husband Bobby, and she was, she was. Um, she was, I, I never forget it, she, for Vicky's service about a year ago, she was back, I think, in that corner, and she was talking about how Vicky would just go after the devil, you know, <laughs> she's, just, she's just, a, just a strong Christian lady, but anyway, she's not doing good physically, she's not going to make it. I talked to her like five months ago, and, and, and I, I didn't think she'd be alive by even this time, but she is not good physically, got lots of problems, and, but you know what she said? is, and I heard this in the conversation and, and then got a recent Christmas letter from her, um, is that she just has sensing the presence of the Lord, the love of the Lord like never before. 
And God is doing a special work in her heart at this time of her life, the very, very end of her life. And I can't help but think she's not going to make it through 2023. But it's just encouraging to hear her spirit and her heart. But then, you know, she said, she said, she said, I want to have my, my memorial service here at this church right here. I thought, wow, that's good. She said, this is my, old, my home, and she wants to be here. So that was encouraging, too. But, but, but I, I say that, and not to... We have entire lives. There's young people and old people, but God wants us to think the big picture. And I, I think what a blessed woman that God is blessing her in this way at this time. So keep her in your prayers, too. Thank you. We have two more beautiful Christmas carols to end our service with. I invite you to stand if you can with us as we sing them. Uh, The first one is probably the most famous of all Christmas carols. Silent Night. Holy night 
love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. Maybe the second most popular, Joy to the World. This is one of the unusual Christmas carols because, as Steve's message showed us, it's he was born to die. He was, the, the, the gospel message is not just a baby being born. It's a Savior dying for us and a King coming back. And all those are found here in this hymn. The last verse talks about come, he's coming back to rule and reign in this world with truth and grace. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive the King. Let every
to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.